Podcast. I'm Mike Allman, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Alex Lap. Alex! What's up, man? Not too much, Mike. Happy to be here. Uh, actually, I wrote an article back in July. It got published yeah. on EDH Rec, and I'm really slow to write these. I know they've been hounding me. Uh, it's, it's so funny. Like, this last one, you know, life gets in the way. I have a full-time yep. job. I have other projects, Commander Spellboat, but... Uh, I just wrote this one. They're like, when's your next one? I'm like, brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be in, in, in like, uh, what, what's it called? In demand. It's good to be in demand. You're popular. <laughs> your opinions are that. popular. At the very least, your opinions are popular because they want more of your opinions. So that's pretty good. Well, I guess they're not opinions so much as you stating your opinion on rules. I so suppose. I guess, yeah. is that is that make it your opinions on fact? Opinions on fact. I don't know. I don't know how anyway. these... There are people on staff who write five articles a week or an article every... Like, it's nuts. Just nuts. Well, hey, sometimes you just got so much information that you just got to get out there. Yeah. Speaking of information that we got to get out there, yeah. if you want to support the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash socialcontractedh or just search for the social contract in the bar of their homepage. Uh, you can check out the show notes for a direct link there and also a direct link to our Discord server there. It's easy to ask Judge Alex for rules questions like a lot of the rules that we're going to be going over today for his article or uh, maybe you ask him a question that he wasn't necessarily front of mind of and you help him come up with the uh the object for his next kind of article uh boy that'd be a big help that would be a good help uh so yeah go in there ask ask questions talk with some people that are like-minded as far as edh and trying to find as much fun as possible at the table uh you can find some cards that are really fun and entirely underutilized and uh that said alex yeah what are we talking about today We've got an article. What, what's the what's the overview of this article? Yeah. So there are a lot of rules in Magic, and you don't say. Yeah, I know, right? And even for some of those that we use all the time, things like casting a spell or going through the phases of a turn, we kind mm-hmm. of eschew the details of them. But these are regimented, orderly sets of rules that have elements that uh, people sometimes forget. And I've found that in the case of having just these really uh, over-the-top, like, long list of rules that they're difficult to remember the order of, for example, for layers. I know that's a difficult one for people to remember. Uh, mm-hmm. A mnemonic device can be very helpful. And uh, this article was inspired by a staff writer, Jubilee Finnegan, who's a a magic personality. And this great little mnemonic for what at that time was the new uh, Lord of the Rings, Tempted by the Ring mechanic. And uh, that's where we start our article here. Mike, you know what a mnemonic is. Do you have any mnemonics that you use maybe for your job or anything like that? Maybe you learned one in school. Uh, a bunch that I can't say out loud oh my because goodness. it's trade secrets. Yes. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like, you know, um, 
I, I mean, I'm looking at the article. You specifically referred to it as far as I before E, except that. Yes, those are the ones that people like. My yeah. Dear, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Right. Even though that, that rule is like wrong for the most part. Half the time, I don't know if it's wrong either, for the most either. part, right? It's it's it's. The There's theme. a couple of them where it's like, hey, it's this, except for that and that and that, right? And that. But like generally, yeah, yeah, like most of mine are are math related, believe it or not, uh, just because. Uh, um, but yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, it's. Uh, I had one. I call this out in the in the intro to the article. Um, I had a social studies teacher back in, uh, I think it was in high school or maybe junior high. And uh, mm. we were, I think we were going through either Hinduism or Buddhism. And he said, the way you do your Dharma affects your karma. And he said, you're going to remember that in 25 years. I'm like, yeah. I, I, I mean, here we are. <laughs> yeah. How, how long has it been? It's been 15 years and I, okay. I remember it. There you go. Yep. Um, what, what's a good one? Foil. First, outside, yes. inside, last. Yes. I still foil. can't do that math properly, but I, I know that's how it's the, supposed uh, to work. That's the factorization of a polynomial is foil. See, so you, you added too many other technical words there I wasn't ready for. Um, and the other <laughs> part of this is, I mean, we, we've kind of discussed this, but it was a long time ago. The whole reason that this podcast exists is because I moved away and then I would still like call or text or discord you yeah hey i don't know how this rule works or what's <laughs> supposed to happen help and i would do that like you know once or twice a week depending on what was going on and just like we should just talk about this kind of stuff in the magic that we Absolutely. like to play anyway everyone so this is these this... questions everyone forgets the rules there's so many right and, and it's one of those things like i i feel like i know the rules a decent amount in my you know in my normal play group yeah Believe it or not, I'm the one where it's like, does it work this way? And I'm usually the one who's asked. And, you know, considering that I'm like, okay, great. So in our group, I'm the one who's considered the, the not expert, the one who, but the one who knows the rules most. Right. And I'm the one who's also like, I don't know how any of this stuff works right now. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to contact Alex or even just like, it could be simple stuff like, okay, I attack. Well, hey, here's this other thing that I think happens on attack. Is there an attack trigger or not on that? Well, yeah. if it says it's attacking, it's not an attack trigger. But blah, That's an blah, important blah, 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 distinction. Blah. I get that one a lot. Right. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that where it's simple, but it is a slight, a slight twist on these things. So Yeah, economic, I mean, this yeah, just so, like uh, learning a language. It's nothing but not exceptions stacked on exceptions. So let's see if we can't simplify some of these things. Yeah. Uh, so uh, last time you wrote an article, uh, I just had you read through the entire article. <laughs> um, and we're still going to do that. I want you to read the article. Okay. But I'm also going to like every once in a while uh, raise my hand, teacher, teacher. Uh, I have a question. Yes. Or I have. But but because we're out of school, um, I also can just raise my hand for interjections because I'm rude. And that's how this works. No, I'm, um, I mean, we're doing this together. It'd be boring if I was just reading my whole article out and, and there was nobody in the class to make inappropriate jokes. Well, you say that, but at the same time, uh, maybe I'm an audible learner instead of a visual one. So this is easier for me. So I'm going <laughs> to enjoy it. And so will other people at home that are listening in their cars and they don't want to die because they're trying to read an article while they're driving. That's a good point. Um, if you're in a car, you should be listening to this podcast. But if you're at home, you should be watching it. Yeah, if they were reading this on their uh, reading this podcast, uh, oh, that would be. Don't read my article while you're driving. Wait until you get yeah. to a nice, safe location 
maybe park your car, maybe go into the office, then you can read it. Yeah. Also, we're going to include this link in our uh, the link for this article in our show notes. Yes. Please click on it. Give Alex as many clicks as possible oh, on EDHREC so they can continue to poke him and ask him when his next one when is. Your next article. Help your go- help your guy out. Help your guy out. Uh, so with that said, um, Alex. Yes. Take it away. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, and start with a now slightly out of date, brand new mechanic, right? Although. For Lord of the Rings, I mean the ring is that's that's the thing, right? So we're we're gonna we're gonna spare you the Lord of the Rings impressions. Mike did his actually fairly decent yeah, Dolan Smeagol impression. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Uh I'm sure you remember from the recently released set Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth, uh the tempted by the ring mechanic, which is so complicated that it has to have a reminder card. <laughs> but maybe you don't have your reminder card. And again, uh, giving credit where credit is due, Jubilee Finnegan just kind of let loose this mnemonic and inspired me to uh, to try to gather as many uh, rules-related mnemonics as possible. And that mnemonic for Tempted by the Ring is Skulk, Loot, Decay, Shoot. Skulk, loot, decay, shoot. We'll come back to that. Let's do the actual four uh, effects of being tempted by the ring, right? You're tempted by the ring consecutive times. You're going to gain these additional uh, abilities. First one is your ring bearer is legendary. Can't be blocked by creatures of greater power. That is very similar to Skulk. Whenever your ring bearer attacks, draw a card, then discard a card. We commonly call that looting. Number three, whenever your ring bearer becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller sacrifices it at the end of combat. This is very loosely related to the decayed keyword, which many people may not know about. And number four, whenever your ring bearer deals combat damage to a player, each opponent loses three life. And uh, for that, we did shoot, which uh, I think is just there to go ahead and round out that round of the mnemonic, which is just great. We're totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. So... Briefly go over what these uh, mechanics are. They're obviously, this is not rote, right? It's not literally skulk. It's not literally loot. It's not literally decayed. But these can help you remember what's actually happening. Uh, Skulk is from Shadows Over Innistrad. And I think a lot of people actually do remember this one. A creature with skulk can't be blocked by creatures with greater power than that creature. So if your creature has one power, anything power two or higher uh, cannot block that creature. And we're... We're using the word can't. It is not possible. Okay. All right. We've seen that one before. That one's not bad. And and what will typically happen with that is you'll either get a nice combat damage trigger where bad things happen, or maybe after the declare blocker step, uh, you know, you'll you'll have a round of priority, and then you can pump your creature after that, and and then it's gone through with even additional damage, combat tricks, sure. bad stuff. Uh, again, loot is not an official keyword. I think a lot of people know this one. Draw a card, discard a card. That's from Merfolk Looter. Mm-hmm. That's the second step. Decayed, this people really got hung up on this one. And they're like, hey, Lamper, this is not this is not it. Okay. I know it's not a perfect alignment, but I the mnemonic is too good to give it up. Decayed yeah, yeah. is a static and a triggered ability. It means number one, the creature can't block. And number two, when the creature attacks, sacrifice it at the end of combat. Uh, 
this kind of slipped under the radar in Innistrad Midnight Hunt. That was a fairly mm-hmm. recent set. Came out, I think, last year, maybe two years ago at this point. And I don't think anyone remembers this mechanic. I don't remember this mechanic. But creature can't block, and when it attacks, sacrifice it. So basically, it's you know, it's like a zombie. You're throwing it away. Yeah, it was. It, it happened with a lot of like make token zombie kind of right. things. Right. Yeah, you're not and hanging on to this for very long. To, yeah, attack once and die. Right. So Mostly used as, as sacrifice fodder rather than attacking and blocking. Mm-hmm. And then uh, shoot, shoot is shoot. Like I said, there's no mechanic called shoot, but uh, we did. Each opponent loses three life, which is basically a life loss effect. So again, skulk, loot, decay, shoot. We have can't be blocked by greater power. When you attack, draw and discard. If your ring bearer becomes blocked, uh, that creature's controller will sack it at the end of combat. And whenever Ring Bear deals combat damage to a player, each opponent loses three life. Skulk, loot, decay, shoot. That's just kind of an interesting opener. You probably don't need to use that in your regular day-to-day. But let's go into some of the ones, Mike, unless you have any uh, further questions about that, that maybe are a little bit more commonplace. No, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's a, first of all, taking some things that are common words in magic as far as like, hey, uh, your ring bearer is legendary and can't be blocked by creature by creatures with greater power. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Skulk. Okay, so now I know what Skulk is because I can tie it to the ring mechanic. Right. And because, hey, it's an actual keyword. So that helps as far as a back and forth. Same thing with loot. And I mean, if people are mad about decay, like, and, and it's yeah, like, especially in the... Relicusk. In, uh, in CDH, they were like, that's not the technical definition of decay. And I'm like, oh, I know that. You don't have to tell me that. <laughs> but a mnemonic is nothing if not sort of painting right. over the intricacies. And, it's it's yeah. just to make it easier exactly. to recognize. Like, whenever, you ca- whenever something has protection, you don't say on the card, this has debt. You, no, you have, you have protection. <laughs> and there's just an easier way oh, to Oh, Mike, that's a good that. point. Hey, it's like I'm reading the article with Look you. Look at that. Now, protection is pretty complex and, and multifaceted and and Watsi has been kind of on the fence about it right at one time a few years ago it seemed like they were really trying to phase it out they were switching mm-hmm. over to hex proof hex proof from uh, and now we have ward we have some really weird uh unique wards that are like sacrifice a legendary artifact we talked about that one recently that's a that's almost hexproof at that point. But yeah, ward, hexproof, shroud, yeah. all three different things that say you can't or if you car- or if you attempt to right. target something. But protection is the big mamma jamma, right? Protection yeah, 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 is yeah. very effective. And I've used this one before on the podcast. You can say it with me. It's debt, right? <laughs> I said, much like college will learn by going into debt. Creatures with protection from equality can't be damaged, enchanted or equipped, blocked or targeted by objects with that quality. Okay? Can't be damaged, can't be equipped, can't be blocked, can't be targeted. Dead. All right. Right. Let's talk about how that actually breaks down, because... The word can't doesn't appear in all of these, and we know that's the magic word, so we got to be careful here, okay? Mm-hmm. So the first part, damage. Any damage that would be dealt by sources that have the state equality to a permanent or player with protection is prevented. And again, when I say equality, you've probably seen protection as protection from red, okay? So if something has protection from red, it can't be dealt damage by something that is a red source. But again, 
That's the colloquial can't. Officially in here, it doesn't say can't. It says the damage is prevented. Now that's very important because some red effects say the damage can't be prevented and those would of course supersede. Okay. Next we have can't be, yeah. Checks out. Can't be uh, enchanted or equipped. Right. Now, this actually does say can't be enchanted and can't be equipped. You literally are not allowed to choose that player or that permanent or what have you as the legal target of an equip ability or an aura spell. It's just not allowed. Now, this is different. You know right. the one of my favorite interactions. I, I'm sure you like this one, too, where when an aura would enter the battlefield without being cast, it can enchant things that are legal targets that have Shroud or Hexproof because it's not targeting them. But if it has protection right. from an aura, from an enchantment, or from that quality, no dice. You can't sneak it in. It's not happening. The difference between choose and target. Yeah. Slash, and yeah. And okay. still following. Can't be blocked, can't be targeted. Those are those are both completely straight. Attacking creatures with protection can't be blocked by creatures of the state of quality. Can't be declared as a blocker. Uh, can't be flashed in as a blocker. You have one of those really esoteric uh, becomes blocked effects. Doesn't work. A permanent or okay. player with protection can't be targeted by spells with the state of quality and can't be targeted by abilities from a source with the state of quality. This is the one that that people tend to think of immediately with, with protection. Right, something with protection cannot be targeted by either a spell or an ability or anything else that has that quality. And that's dead is very simple. Can't be dealt damage, can't be enchanted, can't be equipped, can't be blocked, can't be targeted. Um, except for just keep that asterisk in your mind. That first one, damage, is actually the damage is prevented. So that can be punched through in the circumstance of... Uh, of those red spells that say damage can't be prevented because those do exist. They're not very common, but they're definitely there. And that does pierce protection. Okay. But if it targets, okay. you're still no dice, so, right? <laughs> sure. So, okay. So it's, it's not, it, it can't be damaged by. So if something is, if I'm attacking with a creature that's doing something in the form of like infect, or if it's doing something in the form of like when this creature deals mm -hmm. damage, uh, deals damage in the way of negative one, yeah, negative one. that's still damage. Stuff like that. So it's still something that would prevented, be yes. prevented. Unless you had a can't be prevented. Yeah, if you effect. have infect damage that can't okay. be prevented, uh, you hate somebody, and I hope it's not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah somebody's in trouble at that point. Right, and, and <laughs> okay. you know, we got to be careful with our language because we say it can't be dealt damage. Technically, it's not true. It's damage is prevented, and some damage can't be prevented. Prevented. Right. Okay. Okay. So, moving on, we have... Wow. Targeting yeah. is a little complex, right? When does targeting actually happen, right? There's so many spells and abilities that target, and does that happen when you put it on the stack? Okay. Does, like, when is that going on? Well, the actual process of casting a spell or activating an ability is way more complicated than right. we consider in the day-to-day -day playing. We'll be like, eh, we'll announce that we're doing it, and then maybe we'll activate some mana abilities, maybe choose targets, choose modes. We just kind of vomit the various parts onto the board and, and let our friends sort it out. But 
there is a very specific sequence of things that is happening when you're casting a spell or activating an ability. And that can come up when, when you have some, uh, some edge cases. So yeah, there's a lot of steps to cast a spell. Uh, there's eight by my count, and I found this. Yeah, I found this great mnemonic. Yeah, it's from uh, a judge Osric two five zero. I don't have their actual name, but uh, the mnemonic is: all card tournaments don't let cheaters maintain prizes. Okay. All card tournaments don't let cheaters maintain prizes. It's a pretty interesting one, and hopefully true. I mean. It Hopefully sounds true. like it checks out, but... Yeah, it sounds like it checks. But uh, each of those words, mnemonic, starting uh, letters for, for each of the steps. So we have step number one, we're going to announce the spell. We'll put it on the stack, right? So we'll physically take the card from our hand or whatever zone. We're going to put it on the table so that everybody knows we're right. doing it. Uh, number two, choices. We're going to make choices for... Maybe it's a modal spell. You're going to choose which modes you're doing. If you have hybrid mana you're going to choose uh maybe you blue black hybrid you're going to choose i'm going to do black mm-hmm. or maybe you have phyrexian mana you're going to say i'm paying life for this pip and i'm paying mana for this okay. pip uh, maybe you have an x spell you're going to choose the value for x that happens very early on okay then number three we have targets right we can't choose the targets before we choose the mode maybe you have a modal spell and only some of the modes target so we have to choose the modes first then we'll choose all our uh, all our appropriate targets Okay. Okay. Then maybe we have some effect that says, you know, distribute amongst those targets. Or, or maybe you have distribute three damage amongst uh, one, two, or sure. three targets. Sure, a, fi- a fireball effect. Or, yeah. or put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two creatures, okay. what have you. Uh, number four is we're dividing the effect as relevant. We're going to distribute the damage or the counters mm-hmm. or whatever we have to distribute. That's after our targets. And logically, that makes sense, right? We can't distribute something without picking targets. We pa- can't pick targets without knowing all of our modes. We might have not targeting modes. Sure. Uh, and then right in the middle, just smack in the middle, we have our legality check. Yeah. Is the spell legal to cast from here? And uh, hopefully it is. Yeah. But if it isn't, <laughs> we're going to... We're going to rewind. Uh, if you're in a tournament, you're going to call a judge, say, listen, this person just tried to cast an illegal spell. You know, things like that happen. You just have to, this is where we check it. Right. Right. We don't, we don't, uh, we don't check it at the end because after our legality check, we have our cost tallying. Okay. Right. Before we can pay, we have to figure out what we owe. Right. You don't want to take out a blank check. We have to tally up that total bill. So we're going to look at, our full mana cost, based on any anything we may have chose, maybe we chose an X spell, maybe we chose you know Phyrexian mana. Then we're going to add all of our additional costs. Maybe you did a kicker, maybe mm-hmm. you had to pay a spell tax, maybe a commander tax. Then we're going to have all of our cost reductions, our discounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are great. We love those. <laughs> and then we have the very rare cost minimum check. If you've ever seen the card Trinisphere. Yeah, spells yeah, have yeah. to cost at least three mana. That's this. That's going to add up all the all the costs, then all the additional costs, then all the cost reductions, and then if it's less than a minimum amount, we're going to bump it up to that minimum amount, and we'll add generic mana to the cost until we reach that minimum. Okay. And again, that I think there's like one, maybe two cards in the whole game that do something like that. <laughs> um, 
Although there are a lot of abilities that say this, you know, can't be reduced to cost less than one mana. Right. Um, and then after that, we've we've calculated our final bill. Now we actually cut the check. Mana abilities are activated to pay for any mana cost. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. Mana yeah. abilities can be a little bit complicated because they have these like specific requirements that allow you to activate them during the casting of a spell, which is very important. Mike, do you remember how to tell if an ability is a mana ability or not? I mean, isn't it just if it adds mana when you activate the ability? See, that's a common misconception. It doesn't actually have to add mana. Okay. It has to have the potential to activate mana. Right. So you remember uh, Savala Explorer Return. Right. Her ability might not actually give you any mana. But because it's an ability that could add mana, that it's a mana. It could give you mana. It's okay. a kind of ability. But we have two other limitations as well. That ability cannot have the word target anywhere in it. Okay. Can't target. Number three, it can't be a loyalty ability. You've probably seen some Planeswalkers. Right. Like Chandra that has an ability that adds mana to your mana pool. Those are great, but those are not mana abilities. Those are uh, those are loyalty abilities. They're activated at sorcery speed, unless gotcha. you have some sort of Teferi nonsense going on. You cannot activate your Chandra while you are casting a spell. It's not a mana ability. Right. So you're allowed to activate all your mana abilities, uh, lands, all that good stuff, mana rocks, and then, finally, you will pay all costs. Okay. So when we say all card tournaments don't let cheaters maintain prizes, we have announce. If you're announcing the spell, then you make your choices. Then you choose your targets. You divide your effects. Then a quick legality check. Is everything above board here? Mm-hmm. And then we're going to do our costs, figure out what the bill is. Then we're going to activate all our mana abilities. We're going to physically start counting our money out. And then we're going to pay everything. That's eight steps. Right. All card tournaments don't let cheaters maintain prizes. That's how you cast a spell, Mike. My favorite thing about this too is that here's the mono, uh, the mnemonic device. I can't I can't talk at all today. Um, I mean, mnemonic's a hard word to say. It, it because if you read it while you say it, it's wrong. You're like, don't hurt yourself. No, I'm done. I'm done with it. Um, the it's a it's it's a great like. I like that. I, I like that all, all card tournaments don't let cheaters maintain prizes. However, the way that I play Magic, and I feel like most people play Magic, yeah. is the first thing they do, whenever they're going to cast a spell, is they skip to step seven. <laughs> and they're like, all right, we're going <laughs> to yeah, pay for do. all... Yeah, so... It, so so here's the thing. Yeah. That's not technically It's not, tacti- it's not technically wrong, right. Because what you are allowed to do at any time you have priority is you may activate mana abilities... Uh, and you may keep that mana floating in your pool, right? Uh, unless you unless you move to another step or phase, and at that point, basically, you've done step seven in advance of step one. And as long as you don't move to a new step or phase, you can just go ahead and move from step six to step eight, right? Uh, because you've already activated all your mana abilities, but. I just love the idea of the fact that, like, here's this really cool device for remembering how, you know, spells work on the stack and such. Yeah. And everybody's like, yeah, I like that there's eight letters, but let's make it nine. Uh, we're going to mana first, then we're going to mana later. <laughs> so it's yeah. maybe all card tournaments don't let cheaters well, maintain know, we, prices. We like to be, uh, we like to be... Condensed. Very, proper. 
<laughs> theatrical sometimes, yeah. right? Especially when you're doing like your big spell, like I'm yeah. going to win the game. with I'm going to tap nine mana. Oh, yeah, boy. exactly. And everyone's like, oh my God, Mike tapped nine mana. What is he going to do? What's he doing with nine mana? Mm-hmm. And you're like, ha ha. And now I dramatically reveal mm-hmm. the card from my hand. Land of War Elves. And also I <laughs> let seven mana evaporate. <laughs> Eight mana. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're just doing our thing. Okay. Right. I like that though. It, this is This is cool. Announce choices targets divide it is interesting to me that it's like all right i'm going to figure out all of this stuff with the spell first yes hey can i do that is this legal (laughs) it's like i'm already halfway in (laughs) but it makes sense like you got to figure out if something is like legal to do after you're actually figuring out what you're doing so it checks out cost mana yeah you don't want to start modifying the board before you're sure that uh this is all okay that makes sense. As I said earlier, this process is basically identical for mm-hmm. activated abilities and even for triggered abilities. Now, some of the steps are not relevant. For example, uh, for a triggered ability, you probably don't have any choices to make, although you might. Uh, and you may not have any mana cost to pay for a triggered ability. But for an activated ability... You'll find that you pretty much do this whole thing and, and just skip the steps that are not relevant to whatever you you happen to be doing. Mm. So you don't have to remember a separate list for, okay, how does casting work? How does activating the ability work? It's the same. It's basically the same. I like it. So, again, all card tournaments don't let cheaters maintain prices. Uh, announce, choices, targets, divide, legality, cost, mana, pay. Cool. I can I can right. work with that. I'm I'm, I'm going to forget, but I can still work with that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> We're just trying to help a little. Maybe if you come away, if any of our listeners come away with one mnemonic, maybe that can help them remember one of these sets of rules, and I get it embedded in their brain, then I won. I win the grand prize. There you go. I you learn. There we go. Okay. Now, triggered abilities can be interesting, and I have a mnemonic that I love, and I'm sure people on our Discord know very well. A lot of judges know this one very well. But not all players know this one off the top of their head, Mike, and that's Apnap. I mean, I didn't know this one. You don't know Apnap? Nope. Apnap is active player, non-active player. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is the order in which triggered abilities are put on the stack. Or okay. really, if any number of simultaneous things would happen at the same time, Okay. the rule of thumb is active player, non-active player. What does that mean? Let's say that we enter combat on my turn. Okay. And everyone's board is just packed. Everyone is like so many things on board. And as soon as I enter combat, everybody's combat abilities trigger. And we're going, we're going to have a mess of a combat here. Okay. How are we going to sort out this mess? Everyone has a bunch of triggers. What do we do? Okay. App nap. That's all you have to remember. All of the active players triggers go on the stack in any order that that player chooses. Maybe you have multiple triggers. We've talked about this. If you have multiple triggers at the same time, they're all yours. You choose the order they go on the stack. Okay? Okay. Then after the active player, then the next player in turn order, the next non-active player will put all their triggers on the stack in any order, and then the next one, and then the next one, until we get to the player that's right before me, the player that had just took their turn. And then, once everyone is done putting all their things on the stack, we're going to start resolving it in reverse order, and we'll get to that. 
uh, such that the active player's triggers are resolving last. That's just how the stack works. Right. But this is a very handy thing to remember because there's a lot of things in this game where multiple things can happen at the same time. Okay, let's read the rule. If multiple players would make choices and or take actions at the same time, the active player, which is the player whose turn it currently is, Mm -hmm. makes any choices required, then the next player in turn order, which will be seated to my left or in some cases across the table from me, Mm -hmm. makes any choices required, followed by the remaining non-active players in turn order. Then all of those actions happen simultaneously. This rule is often referred to as the active player, non-active player, or app-nap order rule. Okay. Yeah. That one's pretty simple. It, it checks out. I mean, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. Do I have any other effects? Does anybody else have any other effects? Okay. Yep. And all you have to remember is you're, you're going in turn order, and for each player, you have multiple things happening. You'll, you'll choose how that happens. And as I was just alluding to, uh, active player, not active player is how it goes on the stack, but the stack resolves... Philo, first in, last out. Okay. If we imagine that we're putting, how would we do this? If you have like a can of Pringles and you're for some reason putting the chips back into the can, I don't know why you're doing this. This is really weird. But the first chip you put in, well, the next chip you put in on top of it, you're not going to be able to get the first chip out until you get the chip above it out. You're thinking about this in reverse order, but I dig it. I mean, you you just think about how the chips are put into the canister. Yeah. The ch- when they're originally put into the canister, the one okay, that you're so eating yeah, first we'll, we'll is the, the last factory. one that was put you're, in. You're a Pringles <laughs> manufacturer. You have to put in the last chip that somebody will eat. You put that one in first because it goes on the bottom. Right. And somebody has to reach their arm in and remove each individual chip. That's why it's a stack. Because the higher yeah, exactly. it is, you take off the top. It's not right. a Jenga you tower. You always remove it's... things from the top. Right. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. All right. That one makes some good sense. Uh, Mike, you know what doesn't make any sense most, to most people? Most of the game, but yeah, what, what specifically? Game. How about layers? I don't even know what layers. that is. Sends a chill down your spine. What are layers? Layers are the interaction of continuous effects. If you've ever seen... What does Blood Moon Ashaya do? What is Humility Opalescence? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh boy, these get so complicated. But there is a very specific ordered list of these layers, these interactions of continuous effects. We're not gonna we're not gonna go into the details of how each of these layers work and all that good stuff, because that is a very complex topic that takes people many months and years to master. <laughs> And I'm not even going to say that I'm master them, but I, I do my best. You, We're just going to go over yeah. the order in which the layers apply. Okay. So okay. so as a quick, so I can make sure that I'm on the same page with you as we discuss okay. this. Yeah. Layers really, really, really boiled down is, hey, two things are simultaneously true. Which one is actually like the thing that we're right. applying? You have two continuous effects, two or more. Okay. Continuous effects in effect. What happens which one wins got it per se okay what what applies first what applies after right there is an order in which they apply and uh and this there's so many things in the game that this applies to this is like pump effects copy effects 
uh, things that change abilities. There's so many things that this applies to, and we could just go on and on and on for days. Okay, cool. So if we look at the order of layers, there are seven of them. And there is a delightful mnemonic that I have borrowed from Judging FTW, who is, we've actually talked about him before briefly. He does a daily uh, rules interactions mm-hmm. videos on very complex interactions. And, you know, as, as magic players and especially as commander players, gosh, there are just so, 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 so many interactions like this. And so it's great to have somebody like that making those videos. He came up with this mnemonic. What does a judge do? Commander, clean table trash, complain about players. (laughs) Okay. We can break that down slightly, right? (laughs) Judges, the game of Commander was invented by judges. It's it's what judges played when, you know, we weren't uh, judging a tournament. Lunch breaks. Yeah. Elder Dragon Highlander was invented by judges. Never forget that. Sheldon Hunter is a judge. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of really complicated interactions specifically in Commander versus other stuff. Absolutely. Uh, What else does a judge do? We clean table trash, right? We do some light janitorial work because especially during drafts, people will crack their packs. They will leave the packs and maybe some cards on the table and somebody else has to use that table for the next match. We have to clean that stuff off. Don't leave trash on your table. That's bad. And uh, if you do that, we're probably going to complain about you, complain about players. It, if you are a very rude person in public, you can probably expect that people will have things to say about that. So just try to be nice to people and we won't have to complain about you. Okay, so Commander, clean table trash, complain about players. No, right. Cool. Commander, cool. clean table trash, complain about players. What does, How does that, that mean? Line up? Yeah. yeah what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> so we got seven layers. We got seven words. Okay. Commander, rule... Layer number one, copyable effects. Okay. Rules and effects that modify copyable values are applied. Now, this sounds simple. This is such a complex layer, but basically what's going on here is this is why when you copy something, you only get what's printed on the card. You don't get to take any of the plus one, plus one counters. If something is modified, it's like, uh, you know, with say, humility, all creatures lose all abilities, whatever have you. Maybe there's an R enchanting that gives it an ability. No, 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 no. Copying a card, you are mm-hmm. taking what is on the card, or if another effect has already modified it with a copy effect, maybe you say something enters as a copy of this except for A, B, and C. Those have changed the copyable characteristics, but nothing else that you're doing is going to change it. That's why it's rule number one. Okay. okay. Then after that, we have control-changing effects. Uh, that's an effect where you maybe you mind control, maybe you threaten, you're stealing something until end of turn, maybe you bribed it out of their library. Control changing effects. Next, we have text changing effects, which is literally when uh, something on the card is changed. For example, goodness, you might have uh, you might have one of those strange blind seer effects where it says change all instances of one color to another. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen a couple of cards like that that are a little weird. Those will fall under text changing effects. Um, exchange of words is one of those sort of silver border-esque cards that is swapping rules text with, mm-hmm. uh, with another card. Text changing effects. Uh, layer four, type changing effects are applied. And uh, these actually get into it a bit, right? We have uh, anything that, that changes 
another type in. And that does include uh, things like Blood Moon effects that will change a card's type or subtype or supertype to a specific type. And we have a very specific rule uh, that comes into play that if you uh, set a land's land type to a specific land type and it, you don't do it in addition to its other types, that land just got its mind blanked. It doesn't remember <laughs> anything. It doesn't have any other abilities. It's back to basics. That's why Blood Moon is so scary. It's not like, oh, all my lands are mountains. Oh, no. No, all your lands are mountains, and also they're idiots now. They don't know anything. They don't have any of their abilities. They, they can't do totally their mountains. fancy stuff. They're just mountains. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, then we have color-changing effects. Makes sense. You have something changing another mm-hmm. thing's color. Doesn't come up uh, super often, although it can't come up. Then we have ability-adding effects, keyword counters, ability-removing effects, and things that say an object can or can't have an ability, like Archetype of Wonder... Uh, your creatures gain flying and creatures your opponents control can't have flying and lose flying. Mm-hmm. That's layer six. Okay. All right. And then finally, we have layer seven. Power and toughness changing effects are applied. And we'll get into that in a second. Judges play commander. Commander, clean table trash, complain about players. Copy effects, control effects, text changing, type changing, color changing, ability changing, and power and toughness changing. Seven layers. Goodness gracious, even just remembering those seven without all the many thousands of interactions that come within them is, is hard enough, Mike. Right. Uh, this is this is one of those, hey, uh, I, Commander Clean tra- uh, Table Trash, complain about players. Cool. I can get that. Put it into the idea. Yeah, maybe it's not the world's best. Yeah, I, 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 I could, could probably train, uh, train myself to, okay, copyable, control, text, type, color, ability power see i i figured out what the yeah, words you nailed it based off of but now now tell me uh now ask me okay now what does that mean right <laughs> it's okay now all right copyable okay these okay cool i think i've got it at the very least i will right. be able to if use you this are curious about how that breaks down i'll give you the 30 seconds here each of these layers yeah. applies uh when you have multiple different continuous effects interacting you're going to try to find each of those continuous effects on this list and put them on yep. the list. And if they're all on different layers, then you're golden. You apply from top to bottom, and and then you have your right. answer. The problem happens when things apply on the, same, on the same layer, layer, because then we have to deal with right. reject dependencies, which is whether abilities care about each other applying. That can get pretty complicated. And then if there's okay. no dependencies, we go to timestamps, which is when the things actually began applying. So that can get a little more complex, but... As just a rule of thumb, if you can remember the order, then you can you can apply these without uh, without much problem some of the time. And I'm not going to this will okay. make layers easy, but it might make them manageable in some circumstances. If you can if you can find out which tier right. of layer, are, which which layer it's specifically intuitive. on. These yeah. are pretty intuitive. So okay. if something says it changes a type, it's a type changing effect. It's not going to like right. Then, Something you do need to keep in mind is that if it's a copy effect that says it changes whatever ability, color, type, that's all happening in the in layer one. If it's a copy effect, it's superseding everything. So if it says you'll take your Lazav and it becomes a copy of this, except it's blue and black, its name is Lazav, it's not legendary. Like that sounds like it's all happening in different layers. That's all copy. Right. Okay. Okay. I think okay. I got that. Well, Mike, you don't have it because... The seventh layer (laughs) breaks down even further. 
Okay. That that would be the power and toughness modifying layer. So that we're going to have right. to find our own mnemonic just for that layer. And judging FTW has us again. They've totally got us covered. This one's a little out there. The mnemonic is yeah. toads. <laughs> you ready for this one? Which is great. I, toads is super easy for yeah, me well, to, to it's remember. A double I'm mnemonic. sure. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, it's going to be totally fine. Yeah, what you got Tarmogoyf, for me? Goyf, Omnibian, uh, Augerspree, right. Decree of um, Savagery, Strange Inversion. Sure. Now, I admit, this is okay. a bit esoteric, but here's how this goes. <laughs> Each of those cards, if you were to look at them, has an effect that is applying to a different part of the power toughness sublayer system. So if we have seven different layers, power and toughness as layer seven breaks down even more into sub-layers that determine, okay, well, let's say that I have multiple effects changing power and toughness because I have like uh, some kind of Voltron commander and I have an effect okay. that's giving it plus three, plus three, and I have an effect that gives it three plus one, plus one counters, and then I have an effect that doubles its power and toughness. Would Do I get... When do these bonuses apply? How does how does this all put? Do I get big number and then somebody plays something that says uh, the power and toughness are swapped? Okay, where does that factor in? How does that even right? Okay, so all of those interactions, those are continuous effects, and those break down in the sub layers of the power and toughness system. And goodness, I know we're really getting into the weeds here, but let's let's real quick just look at some of these cards and maybe we can infer how this system is going to work. Okay. So within layer seven, we have our sub layers. Let's look at layer seven A, which we call Tarmogoyf. Okay. I think a lot of people will know Tarmogoyf right off the spot, right? Tarmogoyf's power is equal to the number of card types among cards in all graveyards, and its toughness is equal to that number plus one. Tarmogoyf is representing a characteristic defining ability. And we've talked about this. That can get a little bit hairy, but basically a CDA is something that's printed on the card but it defines how the card exists so it functions in all zones, right? You know that a Tarmogoyf in the graveyard is still crunching the numbers on what its power and toughness are, even though it doesn't matter, it's not in play. It's just checking because just in case something might ask about creatures of X power in the graveyard, something like that, it needs to know. Or maybe you have a card that says... uh, Transguild Courier is all colors. Okay. Well, Transguild Courier is all okay. color, even though it's a it's an artifact, and that's only in its ability text and its rules text, that that's a CDA, so that applies everywhere. If you had a tutor that said, uh, find a multicolored spell and tutor it into your hand, well, you could go get Transguild Courier because that card is is all colors. So these are CDAs. Sure. And we can the CDA for power and toughness, we can spot it every time, Mike, because we've got the asterisks, right? That is the dead okay. ringer telltale sign that you have a CDA for power and toughness. When you look in the power and toughness and you see one or more asterisks. Okay. That's Tarnagoyf. Okay. Next, we have layer 7B. Effects that set power toughness to a specific value, like Omnibian, which says target creature becomes a 3-3 frog until end of turn. Uh... Okay. I think uh, we had some more recent, maybe more popular Simic cards that uh, can sure. transformation or, or maybe some other cards like that that, that set something to be a specific uh, power and toughness value. 
uh, sudden spoiling does this. That's going to apply after any CDAs. And that makes sense, right? You can't apply set to a specific value without knowing what that value was in advance. So we'll have to figure out what it is already right. and we'll set it if we need to, to a specific value. Like everything your opponent owns is a 1-1. One, one. Okay. Well, we have to figure out what it is and then it becomes a 1-1. One, one. That's Omnivian. Okay. All right. And then, logically, the next step from there would be pump effects, right? Effects and counters, layer 7C, that modify power and toughness, but don't set it to a specific value. So we have Augur Spree. Target creature gets plus 4, minus 4. That's a plus X, minus X effect. We know those. We love those. And we also have Decree of Savagery. Put 4, plus 1, plus 1 counters on each creature you control, right? So pump effects and plus 1, minus 1 counters, those all apply layer 7c and that makes sense you can't apply buff and debuff effects if you don't have the power set to a specific value that wouldn't make any sense right okay and then finally we have the weird one strange inversion layer 7d effects that switch a creature's power and toughness there's very few of these but they do come into play strange inversion says switch target creatures power and toughness until end of turn well it only makes logical sense that you would wait until every other effect applies and then you do the switch because otherwise, like, where would you even put it? You put it in the middle and then you pump later? Like, that doesn't make any sense. We have to figure out the actual total power and toughness. We're going to check our CDAs. Then maybe we have to set to a specific value. Then we do any pumps or debuffs effects. And then once we figured out all of that, maybe we have some weird player swapping our power and toughness for giggles. That happens very sure. last. <laughs> okay. Okay. So to clarify yeah. that, Toads, Tarmogoyf, Omnibian, Augur, Augur Spree, Decree of Savagery, Strange yeah. Inversion. Cool. Specific cards that actually do yes. this thing. Tarmogoyf is, hey, first thing we're doing is the characteristic defining stuff that applies what the power and toughness is. The second stage is anything that is going to set something's power right. and toughness. Then we have anything that's going to manipulate, anything that's going to change the power yeah. and toughness based off of a uh, separate ability, but isn't going to set what the Counters, actual power and toughness Counters, pump effects, is. all that good stuff. Right. And then the last one is anything that would actually switch it. Right. Okay, so... And that's Toads. What it starts as, what it becomes what it can be modified to, and then if it's yeah. switched. Cool. And that is okay. the crash course on layers. Seven plus four. I like yeah. that. I like that. Well, Alex, I'm really glad uh, that we're looking at these cool devices, and, you know, most of them are, like, you know, eight earlier. Whew, that's a, that's a lot of steps, but it's okay. Yeah. That's, that's not too bad, I guess. Uh, and then we look on... Uh, your next one here, which <laughs> makes me happy, because I, I I actually I knew this in my head. That's good. That's but good. But I very much I very much want to challenge all the people listening right now, and just ask them how many phases are there in a turn? And I'm gonna and you know you know we're gonna parody some Jeopardy music for you to think about this. Um, but like I just take a couple seconds here, and you think like okay, well you start and you untap and. You know, well, you let's be careful because some of those are steps. But you don't. 
Exactly. And steps and phases. Right. See, I'm already messing it up and I'm the person that I was like, oh yeah, no, I know how many yeah. things you so do. So I have a, a brief mnemonic for phases and then a much longer, sillier mnemonic for steps. Right. And these are so, of my own creation. Uh, take it away. They're very dumb <laughs> and I take 100% credit for how dumb they are. So let's say that we're we're just, we're a brand new player <laughs> and we're trying yes. to like, God, what, how does this even work? Okay. Butchers must carve meat every day. Beginning phase, main phase, combat phase, main phase two, ending phase. Yep. That's the easy yep. version, Mike. Which is, a, to your credit, first of all, this is not a stupid device. <laughs> this like is this good. One. It makes sense. Uh, part of this might be because I, I, I recently watched this show on YouTube from the History Channel called The Butcher. Uh, or it's I'm just, just like, my audience. so this, yeah, this is sticking in my head. So great job. But also it, it make butchers must carve meat every day. Yeah. That's their job. Yeah. This makes Mike, sense. That's their, that's what they do, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just, I, I like it. It's very simple. You have your beginning, your main, your combat, your main and your ending. Now there's a lot more stuff there in is. that, there's but as so far much. as like a newer player, it, as far as new players, especially, but even just like, okay, wait a second. Uh, it, when you have the spells that, when you have cards that say something about your pre, uh, pre-main combat phase. Pre-combat main phase, yeah. I, yeah, the amount of times that I've seen people mess that up, because they're like, oh, right, dang it. Or people who <laughs> it, it uh, happens play maybe a little suboptimally sometimes. It, I think a lot of professional players will advise to play as much as you can on your post-combat main phase. And I think that a lot of new players right. forget that they even get a second main phase after combat. Right. Yeah, it's it's a, I'm going to do everything, bef- I'm going to do everything on my turn, then I'm going to go to combat, then I'm going to end my turn. Well, no, tech, that might be what you do, but you're just right. skipping a phase. You're not actually ignoring it. You know, you're, you're not skipping it. You're ignoring its existence, rather. Uh, you still have that phase. It still happens. You're just not doing anything in it. That's true. And within those phases, we have some steps. And this this is where people can yes. get tripped up. So I have, in my generosity, created an extremely esoteric and very silly mnemonic that covers each <laughs> step of a turn. Are you ready for this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Unclean uranium doesn't make clean atomic bombs. Don't ever mix extreme chemicals. Unclean uranium doesn't make clean atomic bombs. Don't ever mix extreme chemicals. Untap, upkeep, draw, main, combat phase, attackers, blockers, damage, end of combat, main phase, end step, cleanup step. There are 12 of them in there, Mike. Good luck. (laughs) Well, I mean, you've got your device for, you know, hey, here are the five things that you care about most in your turn. Here, And then you have your, all right, well, some of those have lots of extra steps. Like This is a good one to, to bring up here because a yeah. lot of people may not be aware of all of the individual combat uh, steps in the combat phase. There are more than people are aware of, Mike. I know, I know about them because of the conversations I've had with you specifically, partly on this podcast and partly yeah. out of it. Where it's like, hey, your combat step isn't your, your combat isn't uh, attackers blockers. It's something like, before it, that. There's a couple of different things. Yeah, there's something before that. There's something That's after right. that. There's if more things ever after that. Played with or seen someone play with the card reconnaissance. 
Oh, you're, hey, you're holler Absolutely. at your boy. One of my one favorite of cards. cards. And it's also one, it's also one that you have to explain. Hey, I know what this card mm-hmm. says. And I know what this card says, and it feels like this it is what it should It feels like do. you're cheating, but actually, there is an end of combat step that happens after damage, during which right. you have priority. And for our listeners, since we told them that they shouldn't uh, read uh, this podcast while they're driving... Um, so Reconnaissance as a card, it's a white enchantment uh, that for the ability of zero, remove target attacking creature you control from combat and untap it. And then an, ita- and then an italics on the old card, it says that creature neither deals nor receives combat damage this turn. <laughs> that doesn't show up in the oracle text because guess what? The card is wrong. <laughs> well, it's right to do that during if. <laughs> certain combat yes. steps. Because if you remove a creature from combat, then any subsequent part of combat is not going to be happening to it. But, as Mike knows well, what if you did that at the very end of combat? Well, then everything's already done. It can't right. be undone now. So, people will use reconnaissance. They'll, do their, they'll do their damage, get their blocks in, and then... Mm-hmm. At the end of combat stuff, they'll get priority, and then they will activate this zero mana activated ability many times and untap all the creatures that they tapped on for combat. And, you know, the the new player might say, well, it, doesn't that mean that they don't deal or receive damage? Ah, oh, but that's already that's already done. No, it's already done that. Yeah, yeah that's a little We've, we've passed those steps. That's done now. <laughs> and we are in the... We're still in combat. The end of combat. We're still... Right. These are still attacking and blocking creatures if they're still alive. That's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 such a weird thing because it's it's not it's not giving it vigilance because it's, it's like still ta- you know technically you know was attacking and doing something. Yeah, it's it's I'm gonna give an untap. It reconnaissance reads to me as hey, this is either a maze of it or right. untap because the intended way is to pull them out of combat if you get a bad block up. Which you can still do. Right. Yeah. But the shrewd way is to, so, is to I mean, get yeah. pseudo-vigilance. Right. We, we dug into right. one card specifically, but we do that because, hey, there's five steps in your combat phase. Yep. Like, it, it, depending on what you do with it and where they are, it is very relevant that there are five active and, steps. And uh, I've picked out some cards for each of these mnemonics, but I like the ones that I've picked out mm-hmm. for uh, for this one. Um, let's go through a couple of them here I like this one uh, Sphinx of the Second Sun this one's really out there I I love this card so much 8 mana for a 6-6 creature Sphinx with flying at the beginning of your post-combat main phase right you'll get an additional beginning Mm -hmm. phase after this phase beginning phase includes untap upkeep and draw what a strange card effect but that's uh, that's true. Yeah. After, at the beginning of your post combat main phase, you will get an additional main phase, uh, beginning phase after this phase. So basically, you'll take your post combat main phase, and then instead of going to your ending phase, you're going to do untap, upkeep, draw, and then you'll move directly to your end step. Was it called a beginning phase? Yes. Yeah, so like the beginning the phase is card? untap, upkeep, draw. Those three steps are the beginning phase. Right. 
and that happens before your main phase. And I, I in my head, I've never, I've never put that together that it was a, it, like it was its own phase. I in my head, it's like all right, so I have my untapped. Right. Those phase, are not phases. Those are steps phase, within a phase. Yeah. It's like and no, you those are you wouldn't steps call them in the actual part of beginning your main phase. phase, right? Because that's when you play lands. But just right. everything that happens before right. your main that phase, totally that's makes sense. phase, the beginning phase. Yeah, I like that's I really think cool. of the second sun as a cool card and a good good pull <laughs> for this very, specific very uh, explanation. One, like Fate Spinner. Mm-hmm. Also one or of my favorite cards, it. believe it or not. <laughs> uh, so Fate Spinner, one blue blue for a human wizard, one two. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player chooses draw step, main phase, or combat phase. The player skips each instance of the chosen step or phase this turn. Interesting. So yeah, you're 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 giving people a, a terrible, terrible choice. So let's think about that. You either skip your draw step, which is just that step. You'll skip each main phase. Ooh, so you don't get to play a land this turn. You don't get to cast any sorcery speed effects or abilities this turn. Yeah, right. It's not pre-combat. You'll go it's just main untap, phase. Upkeep, draw, combat, and then your end step. That sounds like a terrible turn to me. Yeah. Wow, that would really suck. And then combat phase, you would just have two back-to-back main phases and you don't even get to do any combat. That's the one that most people pick. Right. Yeah, yeah. unless you've got something crazy for your... like, Unless you've got some crazy card draw... This tends to devolve into just everyone skips combat because like nobody wants to skip their main phase and people rarely would be willing to skip their draw yeah. phase. But that's what they'll skip if they're going to alpha shrink. Right. They'll skip the draw phase. Draw step. Yep, I dig it. And uh, this one's interesting. Sometimes we see cards that say they can only be cast on a specific step or phase. Like Illusionist Gambit here is too blue blue for an instant. It says cast Illusionist Gambit only during the declare blocker step on an opponent's turn. And that's because it's doing this really weird thing. Remove all attacking creatures from combat and untap them. After this phase, there's an additional combat phase. Each of those creatures attacks that combat if able. They can't attack you or a planeswalker. You control that combat. So, you know, it can get a little bit strange, but there is a round of priority on every single one of these steps and phases except for untap and, and cleanup. And that includes beginning of combat. The active player can do anything they want to do at instant speed. Everyone can respond. Declare attackers, blockers, and damage. Now, those have turn based effects in them, but you still get priority. So when we move to declare attacker step, we're going to declare all my attackers, but then I can do instant speed effects and people can respond at instant speed. Declare blockers, my opponent gets to pick all their blockers, but then I get priority before we go to damage. So you can do some shenanigans in there, like this spell, for example. Okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, yeah uh so i like the i like the ones so in my head and uh, illusionist uh gambit is i don't use that card enough it's but a wacky I have one that card and i and i it, it it makes sense the one that i was going to in my head as far as like the specifics are like oh well master warcraft just because i i, I love that card more than i should and it's like, well, okay, on that one cast the spell only because only yes. before attackers. so before attackers okay. are declared that's very important so, you cannot cast it on yeah. the declare attacker step. It's too late. You right. would have to cast it at beginning of combat right. or earlier. Right. 
It's just, man, it's it's the steps yeah, in really combat. Out there. For sure. And and then again, you know, for me just like okay, the the beginning phase is the is the other steps. Cool. And this is something that oh, I'm sorry. Alex, what's this your This is something that trips people up, right? Because no, go ahead. uh there's kind of this other aspect uh during like when when do I figure out how uh, creatures assign damage to multiple blockers. Like, when does that happen? That happens during declare blocker step, right. right? So if an opponent double or triple blocks you, you need to decide the order in which those blocks are happening, right? Because before you can go through a blocker... Before the actual damage is done. Uh, in the case of trample, okay. or before you can move on to another blocker, in the case of not trample but being multiple blocks, uh, you'll need to figure out which one is blocking you first, then which one blocks second, then which one blocks third. And mm-hmm. and that also, that also makes sense for things where it's like yes. assigning damage as far as something exactly. with death touch or things exactly. along those lines. And people can get a little well, bit okay, tricked here up, are my right? blockers. Well, here's trample how gonna, seems yeah. like, well, wouldn't you need trample to, to punch through multiple blockers? No, no. You will assign lethal damage to each blocker in turn that you chose. And only then, if you have trample, will damage in excess of that go through to the player or planeswalker defending. Mm-hmm. You don't need trample to deal damage to multiple okay. blockers. That is just intrinsic to combat. Right. If I am if I am right. attacking with a 4-4 four, four and I'm being yeah. blocked by two and you brought two up twos, an excellent point, right? There's that interaction of death touch and trample that we love. You must assign lethal damage to mm-hmm. all blockers until you can punch through with trample. Well, what does death touch say? Death touch says any amount of damage dealt by this creature is lethal damage. So you assign one damage from a creature with death touch and trample to each of its blockers each of them will die due to death touch and then the excess you have three blockers you only uh only three damage was eaten up by them and the rest will punch through but there's other strange interactions too like what if a creature uh has protection right and it's blocking your your creature your protection from green my my attacking creature is green or indestructible or something like that well we still have to pretend that we're going lethal even though it's not going to kill that creature if i'm swinging in for five and that creature's indestructible and it has you know three toughness i can't be like well it's not gonna damage it anyway so i'll just skip it and it can't be the other way where it's like well no Mm -hmm. amount of damage will kill it so you have to assign all of your damage to it no we're gonna pretend like it's not indestructible we're gonna assign three damage to it doesn't matter if it dies i assign lethal and then we'll punch through with the rest on trample. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Huh. I just really get into the weeds with everything we talk huh. about. Well, I mean, it's it's. I have I have a phrase uh, I've been using, especially a lot with work. Everything is yeah. overkill until it's not. So yeah, the, here's the thing. This is a lot of minutia. This is a lot of in the weeds. This is a lot of stuff. Until it's exactly what you need to know to be able to resolve something correctly. So it, it, it's, it, it's, it's good for just kind of a, and I would, and not to call this boilerplate, but this is us talking, you know, about an hour or so as far as the, here are how you find out which effects go in which order on spells, uh, uh, you know, global effects, uh, here are your actual phases and when things happen. So it's a lot of like big spectrum uh topics 
It's like, hey, this is the best way to remember them. And then when you can remember them, then you can actually go into the phases of what actually affects what and when. Um, it, it's... I, I like I like the uh, the kind of like IKEA booklet. This is how yeah. you put things together. <laughs> as far as that, and it's it's a very it's a very cool article. I had read through it when you first released it, so I'm a little bit more caught up on it and aware than I think I would be if if we were just discussing this fresh for the first right. time in my brain. It's a it's a big information because it's complicated. But I think this can be yeah. A, a reference page, maybe if you think like, man, I I knew there was a good way to remember how a spell goes on the stack, but I Judge Alex right. talked about it. Just go on the article and pull it up. Yeah, save it. it it's, it's, it's nice to have just kind of some of those initial concepts now, with like, something a little bit more context. I'm going to give and, you a, go a test. Oh, Tempted man. by the ring. What happens? Uh, so first thing that happens yeah. is skulk. Yeah. And then loot. Yeah. And yeah. decay. I know decay because people complained about it and they shouldn't. And here's the thing. I don't remember what the last word is off the top of my head, but I remember because of what that word was that you, you make it's an shoot. opponent lose life. Um, yeah. Shoot. That's right. Yeah. It, you it, mostly shoot. remembered it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And, and I mean, I haven't played with a lot of the ring cards, so that's that's helped. I really... The problem skulk is I need to say it fast. Shoot. I need to go skulk... Yeah, yeah. It has to be kind of like a... Because it rhymes. Um, like yeah. a double Dutch rhythm to me. The skulk, loot, decay, shoot. Skulk, loot, decay, shoot. I do like that. Um, very cool. Yes. Well, hey, Alex. Thank you. This is a great article. I appreciate it. Uh, we we didn't read it verbatim. So, hey, guys, people, friends, pod members, go in there. Check this out because there is a lot of detail. And whether you are a visual or audible learner, um, we got you And, you know, if this, this is one. way we'll too high level for you and you're just the kind of person, maybe you're training to be a judge or an RA, and you want to see the, the, the rules, every single rule that I talk about is cited by number. You can go ahead and dive into the rule book if you prefer that. Yep. And that way you can show your Yes, horses. so I don't embarrass myself <laughs> if somebody, by getting out of If problem. somebody at the table is ever arguing with you, no, no, it's not just Alex that said this. Rule 602. Uh, Pointing to an one, article in the This dot, is my source. Dot like, letter. No, that don't cite me. Yep. Cite the rule. There you go. The Magic Comprehensive Rules. Uh, I, I, again, I, if it means anything to you whatsoever... Um, I get these. I get these different uh, devices. My favorite one is butchers still butchers must, must carve meat, meat every and that's day. you. So, so you absolutely get to Heck take yeah. full fledged credit over that because that's fantastic. Um, if people had more questions or they wanted to get more in depth with the rules, or they're like me and they say, "Hey, Alex, I really appreciate your knowledge of this. Can you bring it down to like, oh yeah, we fourth grade level, and and help me out." Uh, if they wanted to reach out to you or if they wanted to check any of your other Absolutely. projects, you can how find would they me find on you? Twitter, the website formerly known as Twitter, at Lappermedic, L-A-P-P-E-R-M-E-D-I-C. You can feel free to tweet at me or DM me. Uh, the website is called Twitter, at least as long as it presently exists, which who knows how long that'll be. Currently yeah, still currently is, still Twitter. Um, <laughs> if you are interested in infinite combos, brewing, Ending the game with uh, with cool effects or 
or just making your friends miserable, I have another project, the Commander Spellbook, commanderspellbook.com. And we are a search engine for commander combos. We have just recently passed different commander combos, which will allow you to either end the game, lock the game, or just in general, uh, make people's lives just miserable. We have a great feature called Find My Combos. Copy paste your deck list into my site. It's going to give you all of the infinite combos in your deck. Some you can add. And if you like that, you can add some more. If you don't like that, you can use that tool to painstakingly remove every single one. I don't care. It is You use it however you want to use it. And uh, some people like combos, some people don't. But we, uh, I think we just moved on to Doctor Who. No, we we moved from Doctor Who to uh, to Wilds of Eldraine combos, uh, I believe. So if you have uh, maybe you've been you seeing go. some Return to Eldraine cards and uh, you're like, man, I bet that could do something nasty. Maybe it can. Head on over to our website and see some Eldraine combos. <laughs> Commanderspellbook.com. There you go, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate the podcast, all that good stuff. Um, if you want to buy any of the cards we talked about, deck boxes, sleeves, etc., or you just want to get another deck built because you were motivated by some of the rules that you've learned, um, you can support us by going to bit.ly slash EDH underscore social. Uh, there is a Discord link in the show notes. Go there to submit cards for, ooh, can I see that? If you think that you've got an awesome card that is completely underplayed. Or, as we already specified, ask our Honorable Judge Alex a question. Follow us on Twitter or X or whatever. I, I, while you were uh, talking, I did I did type in x.com just to see if it went to Twitter. Yeah. It does, but it's still Twitter, so I don't know what to do. Um, uh, or email us at the social contract, edh at gmail.com. Alex, I appreciate talking to you. Uh, I think I think we got a little bit of time before the next. Uh, I don't think so, spoiler, Mike. I think that right? we're probably we're almost nearly done with Wilds of Eldraine being spoiled, and uh, we're going to have to do our Wilds of Eldraine. Yeah, I know. I just review. but uh, yep. We got some. Some, we some, got some, of, them are, some of them are pretty fun. Uh, uh, if you so wanna, we're, we're going to talk about that, and then uh, we're going to see if, if we can't if get you something else going pretty Listen quick. to our yeah, podcast, and you're like, man, I wish they would talk about this. Shout out to our patrons holding us down. Uh, we love talking with them and our committee on Discord. If you have an episode idea or something you need us to talk about, do a deck tech or get a guest on here. Uh, that is what our Patreon is for. Yeah, holler at us. Until then, we'll talk to you soon.